people think of oncology as such a negative field to be in. I just totally disagree. And I just love supporting the clients through that journey because it's it's a really tough journey. You know, I lost my own dog to cancer, so I really understand how hard it is for the clients. Hello, welcome to Borborygmy, Noises from the Veterinary World, the show that lets you overhear conversations between veterinary professionals about anything and everything that's topical in the industry. The triumphs and the tribulations, they're all in here. I'm Naomi Mella, vet and podcaster, and we're now into season three. Borborygmy is produced in association with our pals at Vetstego Diversify, and you can find heaps of talking points and conversations after each of these episodes over on our social media, so do go and check that out. This season is a unique collaboration with virtual veterinary specialists. Do you ever wish you could just conjure up a specialist to help you in person with a difficult case? Well, now you can! The wonders of cutting-edge medical technology means that VVS specialists can be instantly on hand to live guide you through procedures. The tech and the experience are, by all accounts, amazing. But don't just take our word for it. Search for Virtual Veterinary Specialists on YouTube to see video clips and find out for yourself what we're talking about. I'm joined today by Claire Nottenbelt and Jenny Gould. Claire is an oncology specialist who spent 18 years teaching students at the University of Glasgow. Two years ago, she started her own business with the aim of helping practitioners become more confident at administering chemotherapy and treating oncology patients themselves. And she's now the oncology specialist at VVS. Claire is also a certified coach and you'll hear her passion for helping others in this chat. Jenny qualified in 2005 and has predominantly been a small animal first opinion practitioner since then. She has unique experiences of the services provided by VVS, having worked for the company as a commercial manager, as well as utilising their services both as a referring vet and an owner. You'll hear in this conversation about Jenny finding herself in the position, as many of us do with our own pets, of being an owner facing decisions regarding a beloved family member. Many of us know that despite being professionals, it's totally different when it's your own animal. And Jenny tells us about the support, both clinically and emotionally, that she's received from Claire on her journey with her own dog, Ember. We were basically out on a walk and she was on the lead and I had loads of young kids around me and she just suddenly fell over and started screaming. And I thought she'd been bitten by an adder or something because we were in the woods and she stood up and her back leg was just hanging and I was, I just knew she'd broken her leg and I knew that that must be a pathological fracture. And I felt her femur and I was like, in my head, you know, that that's broken. So I obviously thought she had an osteosarcoma, but I had all the shock of kind of the children were running around saying, has she trodden on something and all of this? And in, in my head straight away, I was like, I'm going to have to put her to sleep. I just, that was what I was going to do. I was, I was going to confirm that she'd had a pathological fracture and put her to sleep. Um, because I I don't know why, but that's just what my gut reaction was. Um, But then had the day sort of evolved a bit. So I ended up taking her down to the practice that I work at with my husband and my five-year-old. They were in the car and um, got the sort of x-ray to show that it was fractured. Even though I could feel it was fractured, I needed to see it on an x-ray. It's so weird. Um, Just, you know, the way the mind works and sort of went to go and talk to them about euthanasia. And my husband, who's an engineer, was absolutely against it and it was really difficult because by that point it was kind of early afternoon on a Thursday 
I knew that if we were going to do anything else, then I would want to go to a specialist for surgery. Um, and it was this kind of, oh, so I started ringing a few specialists to see who could fit her in and everything. And we did kind of go along that route and it wasn't really the route that I had chosen. Um, and I remember then driving her to the specialist and I dropped my husband and my daughter at home. And I, I was really emotional because I was like, I don't know if we're doing this for the right reasons. Is this the right thing for her? You know, are we being selfish and all of this kind of thing? But it was the right thing for us as a family, you know, and, and it's fine now. She's, she's had surgery and she's got a really good quality of life, but it was really, really difficult. Um, and it really reminded me as it always does when your own animals are ill, what it is like to be an owner, <laughs> because, you know, you just forget, then you go back to being a vet and you get, you know, a little bit frustrated sometimes when owners maybe take a long time to make a decision or they decide something and they change their mind. And, and I just thought, you know, I've just done exactly that. I've literally done full circle. Um, so it it really does, yeah, throw you. I think when when you are suddenly faced with these challenges as an owner, um, yeah, really, really interesting to look back at it actually. And <laughs> you know what? When Jenny was talking about that story, that's the story she told me. Okay, so she told me about Ember literally falling over and the children all around her. So I immediately know that she's got you know children in her life and you know she's then talks about her husband so she's got a husband that also needs to be involved in the decision making process for me the key thing is by keeping very open to what is possible but i find the best approach realistically is to talk about what the cancer means for the pet um talk about the potential outcomes that they might have and the likely survival time with both different treatment options or the do nothing approach and to be very very open and honest about all the options that are on the table because actually once you start letting people talk about it and as an oncologist you've got to listen more and say less sometimes you know you listen to the owner and actually those little nuggets that you hear from clients are really really important you know sometimes they'll say you know I got this dog when my mum died because and she's been a close companion to me and so you know then that their fear their fear of losing that animal is really well founded it's because that's the last link with their mom or you know and it's there's so many reasons why people feel this very close bond it might be a family pet it might be really important to a child with special needs or whatever and even if it's just a bog standard pet in a bog standard family they're part of the family aren't they so you know it's really important to be kind in the first instance because they will come in and they'll go I want to do this and I want to do that and blah 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 blah, blah. and you can go okay let me just, you know, you have to almost pretend that they know nothing. Yes, they've read it on the internet, but they know nothing. You start from scratch. And the same applies when I'm talking to a vet about their pet, because actually I know when my dog got conjunctivitis, I was crying. I was like, he's got green stuff coming out of his eyes. Um, you know, it's you, you lose all rationale <laughs> when it's your own pet because you just can't see straight. Same with your own child as well. You know, you always imagine the worst, you know. So the key thing is just be really, really kind. And generally owners are really sensible and they do ask me every pretty much every owner on the planet seems to want to know what I would do if it was my dog okay that's a classic and one of the things that vets always say is oh yeah don't answer that question don't don't answer that question this is a bad bad idea and I say rubbish absolutely answer that question and I say to them when my dog had cancer I made the decision to do nothing and they look at me askance and go, what? You're an oncologist and you decided to do nothing. 
And I said, yeah, but the reason why was he was a very stressful dog. He had Addison's disease. He didn't like coming into the hospital. There were a whole range of reasons why it wasn't feasible to do anything. And that is how I made my decision. So therefore, I can't necessarily make that decision for you as an owner that the do nothing approach is right for your dog. But I can support them if that's what they want to do. And that's the amazing thing. Actually, the, the, the funniest situations I've ended up in are where owners are relieved because I've told them they can do nothing because they thought their vet was going to give them grief for being a bad owner because they wanted to do nothing. That's really interesting because obviously their clients, you know, clients would have thought that potentially with cases that I've managed, but they wouldn't have necessarily said that to the first opinion vet. Whereas I think sometimes as the first opinion vet, you're a bit worried about mentioning the do nothing approach because you think maybe you'll offend the client by suggesting that as well you know I mean I, I think I would always mention it but I'd often just sort of skirt over it really quickly rather than actually you know saying it is it is a real option and one of the other things is you know when you've got clients that have maybe gone through multiple protocols again sometimes it's just enough already you know and you've just got to be able to say look it's not a problem if the finances have run out or, you know, if you feel that it's too much for your pet to go through again and the emotional burden. I don't know if you've started to feel this yet, Jenny. I think we did touch on it. This idea when when you're an owner with a pet that's got cancer and you know it's going to die from it at some point, you have this kind of challenging fight between your conscious mind and your unconscious mind and your unconscious mind is busy going I'm going to come home he's going to be half dead what am I going to do which vet am I going to take him to how am I going to deal with that what's you know what's the outcome and your conscious mind is like it's all fine you know it's the jolly hockey sticks when the children have spilt something on your your best sofa and you're trying not to go ballistic and this is that's the unconscious conscious mind kind of battle that's taking place and when that happens it's bloody exhausting Okay, so if you live with that for, say, six months, which is what I did, when I finally let my dog go and had him put to sleep, it was like somebody took a rucksack of bricks off my back. It was literally like that. And I hadn't realized it was even there. You know, I hadn't noticed it over that period of time. It was literally one brick every day in the rucksack until you just weighted down with this emotional baggage that you just you know you're carrying around with you and trying to pretend it's all bloody brilliant it's a slightly added aspect when you're the carer for the animal is that obviously you've got euthanasia as an option but it's making that decision as to when is the right time you know um you know we did, Claire and I did talk about that a little bit because I thought you know I've, I've been a vet advising clients on this kind of thing so much but I was a bit like well you know when am I going to know like what you know, just thinking when I'm the one that's the, that's the owner now. And I've absolutely said to my husband, if I say one day, today's the day, he's that, that is the decision, you know, because it's fine that we've come this far and just had the surgery and that was a joint decision. But I cannot deal with, if I've made the decision, I can't deal with any um, pushback on it because obviously it's a hard decision. But uh, my very, very close um, vet friend, she had similar. And she said exactly the same, Claire, about the relief. And she warned me of that with Ember because she said, you're probably going to go through it for longer. That whole, I know this day is coming, but I don't know when it's going to be. And I don't know whether I'm going to make the right decision at the right time kind of thing. And she said exactly the same about the kind of, you know, the weight lifted from your shoulders once it was, was sort of done. Absolutely. I mean, I was speaking to a client who had has got terminal cancer herself and the daughter and the, and the person were there on the call together and you know the woman was we were talking about this emotional burden and it, she said god yeah you know that's happening to you isn't it to her daughter and 
and she said at the end of the call that that having had that conversation with me about their dog who also had cancer um was really helpful because nobody had had that conversation with her about the impact on her family members and she said you know it's really sad but it's been a really really useful conversation to understand what exactly is happening to us all here you know we're all suffering in different ways not just me with my cancer but my daughter and the how we interact with the dog and understanding just explaining how chemotherapy works and stuff you suddenly realize how little information people who are undergoing treatment actually get I find that so surprising in the you know in the human medical field but it also means that it's a it's a privilege Jenny for you to have somebody like Claire to speak to who gives that degree of not just care but the emotional support yeah I just think it's it's the realistic aspect of it that I find really helpful being able to have these kind of advice calls where you know the specialist isn't in a rush you're kind of paying for the service um which does make a difference because you don't have that cheeky feeling at all you know and you can send as much information ahead of time as you want without thinking oh this is you know this this is really pushing the boundaries here um and then even little things like the fact that the call's recorded I think as a vet managing a case knowing the call's recorded you can just completely concentrate on your conversation um, asking questions, really engaging with that conversation rather than having to scribble down everything they're saying and, you know, all the advice on timescales and doses and drugs because you know you can just listen back to it. Um, and actually you can, you know, let colleagues listen back to particularly interesting case, you know, case discussions. Um, but, yeah, just really, really worth its weight in gold. It really was. You know what? People sometimes are scared about talking to specialists. They're like, oh, but I didn't do that quite right. And I didn't do this quite right. Do you know, we're human, too. We didn't always do everything right. You know, people go, oh, but but but, you know, I, I've given it steroids and I haven't got a proper diagnosis, you know, and they're all upset and they're all worried that somehow I'm going to be all judgmental about that. No way. You know, sometimes in life you just do the best you can. And it isn't always perfect by the textbook or perfect by the evidence and all of that. But what we have to do is move forward. You know, one of the things I really focus on with my clients is there are no what ifs. You know, what if I had, you know, x-rayed my dog's leg randomly earlier for Jenny and then she'd identified it and then there wasn't going to be that horrific situation that she went through you cannot think like that. You have to move forward. And that's really important with cancer patients. But it's really important as a vet as well that we say, OK, we are where we are. Maybe we didn't perhaps do it quite by the textbook way, but we are where we are. How do we move forward? And that's what I love doing. I love supporting people to move forward and, and do the next step and do the next things. One of the, the things I think is really, really important is that by doing this, by having first opinion practices, able to deliver chemo confidently that is taking a massive burden off our owners you know we talked about the emotional weight of baggage and all of that I've had owners crying in my consult room because they've taken time off work to come to a referral hospital and they've run out of holidays they can't take any more unpaid leave what do they do you know they they feel they have to give up because they haven't got the opportunity to do it anymore and I think particularly now where travel is is harder, um, it's costly, you know, it takes a lot of time out of your day. I think being able to deliver this locally is such an important thing for the owners. 
Thanks so much for listening. It means a lot to us that you do. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it wherever you can and do tell a friend because we'd love more of you to join our community celebrating the veterinary profession and those working within it. Borborygmy is brought to you by me, Naomi Mella, as part of Vet Stay Go Diversify. You can drop me a DM with any feedback or suggestions at Naomi the Vet with underscores between on Instagram or Twitter. And you can find VVS on any of the social platforms if you just search VVS Vet. Thanks to everyone involved this season. Your support is much appreciated. <laughs>